if they're in the front and the back, just make sure that you say hello. We are really glad to have you worshiping with us here at Crossroads. time and time and time again and we will continue to fail but God never fails he is always there anything that we're afraid of he is bigger and we don't have to be afraid anymore that's such an awesome thought as the band starts this next song let's sing out and praise our God with amazing grace that he has given us 
that we don't deserve. He died for us and we don't deserve it. We will never deserve it. Nothing we can do will ever deserve what he did for us. So let's sing out with our entire hearts and just praise, praise our awesome God this morning. This morning, we want to honor our seniors this morning. So I'm going to go ahead and invite up right now, Kara Joy Barner. Give it up for Kara. Kara's graduating from Ringgold High School. She plans to attend Liberty University in the fall to study nursing. Also, we have Hannah Sue Carr. Come on up, Hannah. Graduating from Ringgold High School. She plans to attend Duquesne University in Pittsburgh and will major in English and a minor in theology. 
Also, we have Joel David Ewing graduating from Bethel Park High School. He wasn't able to be here this morning, but he's planning to attend Community College of Allegheny County this fall. Also, we have Kendall Marie Craig. Give it up for Kendall. She's graduating from Ringgold High School. She she's planning to attend the University of New Haven, uh, Connecticut in the fall to study criminal investigation and also forensic science. Her goal is to work with FBI field investigative units. So big, big plans there. So also we have Abigail Grace Knoll. Abigail, come on up. Graduating from Ringgold High School, she plans to attend the University of Pittsburgh at Greensburg this fall. We have Caitlin Marie Parrish. Graduating from Ringgold High School, plans to attend Liberty University in the fall to study theater arts. So, Also, we have Nicole Michelle Seibel. Come on up, Nicole. Nicole's graduated from Hillcrest Christian Academy. She plans to attend Community College of Allegheny County for elementary education and early childhood development. And finally, but not least, Eric Richard Smith. Get up here, buddy. Graduating from Cornerstone Christian Preparatory Academy. He plans to attend Gordon College in Massachusetts and is looking at an engineering major. So give it up for our seniors here. You know, it's always a sad time as a youth pastor to see students go because you build relationships and you get to know who they are and then you've got to... I'm not going to say like a parent. You guys are in such a different league. You raised them for 18 years, but for four years, I got to hang out with, with a few of these... Well, two years, I got to hang out with a few of these students and get to know them. And so it's a sad thing to see them leave, but we're excited for their accomplishment and what, they're, what they've done and what they're going to do. So let's go and pray right now. Ask God to just be with them to use them in a great way, and uh, to bless their lives. God, we just thank you for these seniors right here. We thank you for every single one. God, we thank you for the accomplishment that they have fulfilled right here, this landmark in their life. But God, we know you have so many more greater things for them in the future. I pray that you would just be with every single one of them, moving through them, using them, directing them for the plan that you have for them. God, uh, just, uh, just, just keep them safe, direct them in every path that they go. Lord, And we thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Give it up for our seniors one last time. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. Uh, what a blessing to have uh, eight graduating seniors from our church. How exciting is that? Let's give them another hand. We're thanking God for them. What, a, what an awesome group of young people. You know, when you think about it, th these folks are going to go out and change the world. They're going to make a big difference for Jesus. Uh, I heard nurse. I heard CSI. I heard... Uh, 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 engineer there's a lot of things happening and it's like wow the, the, whatever they choose whatever God takes them they are going to make a difference and what a privilege it is for us as a church to pour into their lives and to build upon them and then and then you know just a few years down the road you're going to hear them come back and they're going to say wow this is what God's doing in my life I'd like to ask you to take that paper that, that, that has all their names and their pictures in it would you add that to your prayer list and just imagine what would happen if you just began to pray over those eight kids every day and just ask God to, to move because they're going to face challenges of college. They're going to face challenges of relationship and all kind of challenges. And, and they need us as a church to be there for them because while they, uh, their, their life may be changing, we want them to have a home here in the church uh, for, for a life. Amen? We want them to be connected here, and so I want to encourage you to, uh, to pray over them. Welcome to Crossroads Ministries. We're so glad you're here. Our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so as, as we do that, everything that we do is, is connected to that mission, and we're glad that you're here to be a part of that today. I would like to ask you to please pass the friendship folders at this time, and that helps us to uh, better minister to you and your family. The, the June Jamboree is coming up on June the 10th. We have June Jamboree. We're actually doing three movies this year. It's our summer movie series out on the lawn. Uh, the first one is Big Hero 6. That'll be on June the 10th. But before that starts, from 6 to 9, we're going to have like this big festival. Our band is going to be playing live, so we'll have live music out there. We're going to have, uh, there's bounce houses, there's a dunk tank. You can sign up to help with many of these things. Uh, you know, the dunk tank, one of our ladies from Saturday night service signed up to be on the dunk tank. And I'm just going to tell you this, she's not 20 years old, all right? So uh, I, was, I, was just, I was amazed. I said, nobody's ever been the first one to sign up for the dunk tank. We have to beg people. 
So if you can help us in any way, maybe you can be helping a little kid throw a beanbag and, and play a game, or, or maybe you can serve somebody a hot dog or, or just be friendly. Uh, I think we can all do that. But uh, please stop by the Welcome Center. There's many ways that you can get involved, and, and they will call you back and give you more information and, and give you the details for sure. So that's coming up, and, and this is a bridging event. The purpose of this is to build a bridge from where people are living over to where, to where the church is, over to where Jesus is. Uh, many people would, would love to come to church, but they don't know that we're normal. They don't know that we're okay up here. They, they have misconceptions. What do they do up there? What happens in church? And so as normal as we are, we're going to have a movie and just invite people to, to come and see uh, what normal that we think normal is, right? And, but we're going to build a bridge. And so I want to encourage you, take the flyer. If you open up your bulletin, you'll see a big yellow flyer in there. It's a, it looks like what's up on the screen, June Jamboree. I want to encourage you, put the word out. Put that in the hand of somebody you care about and say, would you come and have a hot dog? Would you come to a free movie with us? This is not a fundraiser. This is not, uh, this is not a Bible preaching event. We're not going to stand up and give out Bibles and preach at people. We're just being neighbors and, uh, and, and building the relationship and earning the right to be heard for future times. So I want to encourage you to pass the word along about June Jamboree and then our other movies. On, and uh, We're showing Woodlawn, which was just at the theaters last summer. Woodlawn will be shown out there in, in July, and then uh, there's another movie coming up in August. All right, so Man Up is on June the 4th. This is a men's conference. I want to encourage all the men of the church to check it out. Coach Mike Tomlin will be there. He's going to be challenging men to stand up to be men in their communities, men in their church, men in their homes. So I want to encourage you. This is a great day. You don't want to miss that. It's a, a fantastic conference for men. Uh, it's all day on Saturday, June the 4th. And that will be from like uh, 8 in the morning till 3. So I want to encourage you, check that out. Information is available at the Welcome Center as well. And then on June 11th, we have a walk for the homeless. Roger and Debbie Metcalf are our resident walkers. They are our speed walkers. Uh, uh, So they are our team leaders for this. You don't have to be a speed walker. You just have to be able to, to walk. And uh, even if you, if you can wheel, if you if you, if uh, you know, would like to go on a wheelchair, whatever, just go and be a part of this. It's a fantastic way to get outside of our little world and uh, help do something for the homeless. So information about that is also available at the Welcome Center. And then there's Dinner for Six. This is a great initiative we're doing here at the church this summer. Um, we're asking you to do something deeply spiritual, okay? You ready? I think everybody can do it. Eat dinner, all right? And I, I know you can do it. You do it every day. So what we're going to ask you to do is to get with other people and have dinner three times. Once in, Ju- once in June, once in July, and once in August. Dinner for six. So you'll sign up as, as, as a couple or as a single person. You'll go out and sign up at the foyer. You go out the door to the right, and you'll see Dana and Sarah Daly will be there. And they're got, they have a table. It looks like a dinner table over there. And uh, you go over and sign up. And what we're trying to get people to do is you sign up, and then after a few weeks of everybody signing up, we're going to pair people up in groups of six. So you say, well, I already know a few people at the church. We'll pair you up with some people that you don't know super well and encourage you to go out. Maybe you'll go out to dinner, or maybe you'll go to somebody's home for dinner, whatever your group decides. So uh, if if you're the host, you'd say, I'm hosting this, and uh, I'll provide the main dish, hamburgers. And then uh, the, the couple number two says, we'll provide the salad. And they bring the salad. Couple number three says, we'll bring the dessert, a Dairy Queen cake. All right? And so you just have some fun, and you get together, and you have a good time. So that's dinner for six. And, and the reason we're doing that, in Acts chapter 2, it says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. That's what we do on Sunday. And to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So we're gonna, next week we're going to be coming out with a prayer, a prayer list. I'm going to ask you to pray through the summer for what's going on around the church. Uh, I'm going to ask you to be devoted to fellowship, communicating, getting together. And, you know, fellowship has to go beyond uh, high in the hallway on Sunday. We need to get to the point where we can actually find people that we can, that we can trust and develop relationships. And hopefully dinner for six will be a beginning for that. So please stop by the, by the table there and register for dinner for six this summer. What a, great, what a great time at the church. God has been moving mightily in our church, and we're so thankful for all that you're doing, for your commitment to being here, your commitment to worshiping, your commitment to giving. And so this morning, I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward and as we receive our morning offering. 
I'd like to welcome all of our guests here. If you're a guest, uh, please uh, stop by our welcome center. We have a, ge- uh, a, a, a gift for you. And, but if you're a guest today, I would like to ask you to feel free to let this offering plate pass you by. This is for those that are growing in the grace of giving this morning. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and, and let's honor Him. Father God, we come before You and we thank You for all that You're doing, God. You're moving in great ways. God, I'm thinking about families that have come to know you in recent days here at the church. I'm thinking about children that are getting excited about Jesus. Think about those eight seniors graduating from high school that, that we've had a part in. As a church, we, we love on these kids. We, we, we teach them your word. We've tried to lay a foundation in their life for greater things to come. God, thank you for your people. Thank you for their faithfulness to you. Thank you for the way that you provided for them. And for the way that we together, Lord, that we give and we honor your name. So, Lord, as we give to you this morning, we ask that you'll be honored and adored and glorified as uh, as we give you the seat of honor now as we give to you in this offering. In your name we pray. Amen.
Father God, be with everyone in this auditorium today. Thank you for the way that you love us. You saved us. You've forgiven us for everything that we've done, Lord. I ask that you will open our hearts to the message that Ken is about to give and help us receive your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be taking a joyride. That's uh, our new series right now, Joyride. And I want you to think about what that's like when you're taking a joyride. Many of you are thinking right now about a convertible car, the, you know, the hood's down, that, not the hood, the, uh, the, the roof is down and, and, and you're going and you've got this wind blowing in your hair. It's just this wonderful ride. And uh, when you're, you know, somebody told me the other day after they saw that last week, they said, you know what, I'm ready to take a joyride. I'm ready to go have some fun. When was the last time you played with your food, right? When was the last time you blew bubbles in your milk? Uh, we, we want to think a little bit deeper than some of those things and how to really have joy. How do I have joy that lasts? How do I have joy that's deeper than my circumstances? And so today we're going to look at something here about circumstances. I'm going to give you a little quiz. So uh, this is our first quiz that I've ever given to the church on Sunday. Are you ready? So here you go. Question number one out of these four, all right? This is one question. Four options. Out of these four options, which one of these uh, circumstances would bring you joy? All right? An unexpected $10 million in inheritance. All right? Somebody dies in your family and leaves you an unexpected $10 million inheritance. Uh, how many of that do you think would bring you joy? Okay? Uh, how about $10,000? i would settle for $10,000, you know? I'd settle for uh, maybe $10 at this point, all right? You know, just an unexpected joy. That would give you unexpected joy. How about an unexpected tornado? A tornado rips through your neighborhood. And, uh, you know, I remember in 84 or 86 it was, it ripped through Beaver Falls. And uh, it was really a big, big, nasty thing up there. An unexpected tornado. How could that bring you joy? Uh, the next one here is an unexpected loss of a job. You're, you're working, you're giving everything you have, and, and now you have an unexpected loss of a job. How can that bring you joy? Number four here, how about an unexpected blessing to a family member, to somebody else in your family? Um, how can these things bring you joy? So the answer, the correct answer this morning is, are you ready? All of the above. And at that point, some of you are saying, okay, what's he smoking, right? What's he on right now? I'm thinking about the $10 million. Uh, let me tell you, here's the deal. We have to redefine joy. Joy is not about some perfect circumstance. You see, that's just not joy. So many times we think that joy comes from a perfect circumstance. Sometimes those circumstances are enjoyable, but that is not joy. If joy is perfect circumstances, then you are doomed. You're doomed to a life of no joy. Joy is not saying that everything's okay, because sometimes it's not okay. 
And I think we have to come to that point in our life where we realize, listen, it's not okay. Things are, are tough to deal with. There are some challenging things in our life. Um, I don't have perfect circumstances. Joy is this. Joy is God using our imperfect circumstances, our less than perfect circumstances, to work His perfect will in our lives. That's joy. And if we can start to look at joy from that perspective, joy is God using your circumstances, fallen as they are, imperfect and filled with problems. God is using your circumstances to work His perfect will in your life. Uh, some people think there's a joy meter. You know, I, and, and, and unfortunately, I hear a lot of people say this about, uh, about Christians. They, they think that if I become a Christian, if I become a follower of Christ, that all of a sudden, all my circumstances will change. And I'll have all this joy from my circumstances. In other words, I follow Christ, and then, all right, nobody's ever sick again, nobody's ever loses a job again, and we're always happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? Well, that's just not true. Um, as a matter of fact... We have, to look, we have to redefine joy. We have to look at what, what is going to happen. As we look in this book of Philippians, I'm challenging you. My prayer is that your joy will go up, that your joy will go up 15%, 20%. Maybe it will multiply by two to three, four times. Some, some say, well, I have no joy. Well, I'd like to see your joy doubled today. I'd like to see your joy doubled in the next month. I'd like to see maybe you become a person of total joy. And as we do that, it's, it's possible through God's Word, through what He's taught us in the book of Philippians. God wants to bring joy into our lives. I want you to think about that. The fact that Paul has written a letter here to the church of Philippi is proof that God wants joy in your life. As you look through the book 15 times, it mentions rejoice or joy. And I've heard people say this before, and I think this is a well-meaning statement that they've said, that God doesn't want you to be happy, He wants you to be holy. And yes, I do believe that God wants you to be holy, but I believe that He does want you to be happy, and it's a part of the joy. It's part, he wants you to be a joyful Christian. Have you ever noticed sometimes you get around some Christians and they're depressing? Okay, nobody else is going to be honest but me? All right, thank you. I've met three of you, all right? You know, have you ever gotten around some Christians who are like, well, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, but life is just so hard. And I've got the worst circumstances, and life is so hard and so painful, and I, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. And you know what? That may be part of the truth. There are some circumstances that are tough, but our joy cannot come from our circumstances. Webster defines joy as this. Joy, he says, is the emotion evoked by well-being success, good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one may desire. So if we think about joy as from my desire, so I come here and there's a desire and I get joy when I've gotten my desire. So what we've got to do to find joy from God's perspective, the secret to finding joy is to change your desire. You see, because if my desire is just a perfect set of circumstances, um, then I'm never going to get joy because my circumstances will never be perfect. You see, God wants to give you joy even in difficult circumstances. Think about that. You're, you're facing some sort of challenge out there. You're facing some sort of difficulty. God wants to give you joy in the midst of those circumstances, in the midst of the difficulty, and that is really possible. That is why, listen, Jesus came and he said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly that you might have a full, complete life. And so I see Christians going like this. Oh, I've, I've got this full life. And their heads are down. And there's no joy. And there's no, no, no energy, no, no future to them because their head is looking to a circumstance for joy. And that circumstance just can't produce the joy. Um, here's the scenario. Let's say you've decided to go on vacation. You've been saving and you're going to go to the Grand Canyon. Anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon? Okay, a few of you. All right. Uh, I, I've made it up as uh, far west as Ohio. It's really nice out there. Uh, no, I made it actually to St. Louis. But uh, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about going to the Grand Canyon one day, how fun that would be. You know, you just, you're, you're thinking about it, and you've got your family all excited about, we're going to the Grand Canyon. And you've saved, you've prepared, you, you, you've got everything, and, and you take this journey all the way out to the Grand Canyon, and, and you've got your chair 
and you, and, and you are ready. And look at the picture up here of the Grand Canyon. Here's this beautiful picture of the Grand Canyon. And you've got your, you've got your family, and you say, we're back from the edge. We're in far, and we're just, we've set up camp, and we're going we're gonna to take, take it in. And I, we've got our family's chairs, and we're just going to sit back, and oh, we're going to enjoy God's creation. We've lived all of our life to finally make it, and we're making it here now, and we're going to see the Grand Canyon. And so you're sitting there, and you've had a nice 15 minutes. You're looking at it, and you've got your little fire going. And then all of a sudden, as you're sitting there enjoying this, as the sun's just starting to drop, you see this pull in front of your view. Winnebago. It's not even a new Winnebago. It's a 1970s with a green stripe on it. And you're looking and you're saying, wait a minute. I came all this way. We've had to get, you know how long a drive it is from Pittsburgh to the Grand Canyon? You know how much money I saved up? This is the dream, the trip of a lifetime. And I'm sitting here and I'm looking at a Winnebago. Now how depressing would that be to do that? And then, then you have a few choices. Uh, you know, and not only are you looking at the Winnebago, then a few characters get out. And they, and they sit on the back of the thing, all right? You, you, you look at these guys, and they're, they're just sitting on the back, and they're, they're enjoying the sunset while you're looking at a Winnebago. And you're looking at three of them that have pulled in. The whole family of these people come in. You're, you're really upset. You're disturbed. And so you have a choice. Choice number one is to get bitter at the Winnebago. I came here to see the Grand Canyon, and I'm looking at the Winnebago. Those Winnebagas are ugly. Those Winnebagas are disgusting. Those old Winnebagas are especially disgusting. And you start going through this and you start piling up all this reason to become bitter at the Winnebago. And then uh, option number two is to say, oh, what a nice Winnebago. God must want that Winnebago in my view. It's so pretty. Look at that beautiful green stripe. Nice W on the side. Look at those nice old people on the back. I'm so glad they got a better view than me. Option two. Option number three is to get better at the driver. Why would he put his Winnebago in my view? He saw my family there. Doesn't he know what I've done? And you go through this whole list about why the Winnebago driver is nuts with his long fake beard on the back there, right? You're, you're, you're thinking, what is wrong with these people? And you start going and you pile up all these issues of why to be angry and upset. Or there's a fourth option. You're looking at the Winnebago. The sun, sun was setting over the Grand Canyon. You've got your family here. Option number four. Pick up your chair. Move around the Winnebago. And look at the view again. The Winnebago is still over there. The guy was still in your way. It's still a problem. But you chose to focus on something different. You chose to focus on what you came for. You didn't choose, you're no longer angry and upset at the man. You're not losing a night's sleep over this nut Winnebago driver, right? Over why would this guy put his Winnebago in front of my view? You are now relaxed. And you're taking in the creation. You're taking in what you came there for. That's what the Apostle Paul helps us with. In the book of Philippians, he helps us to take and move our chair around the Winnebago. There are Winnebagas in your life. There are many of them. They're at school. They're at work. They're at play. They're in every area of your life. There is some challenge that you must move your chair around. Paul says in, in the book of Philippians, in Philippians chapter 1, the first point in your notes is this, that Paul talks about looking beyond your circumstances to see the results. Look beyond your circumstances to see God's results in your life. James chapter 1 says this, to count it all joy, my brothers, when you fall into various kinds of trials, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or it produces patience. He says in Romans chapter 5, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Uh, did you catch that? We rejoice in our sufferings. Now, the, he's not teaching here that if you suffer, you're, the more you suffer, the higher of a, of a person that you are. He's not saying suffering is something to come and search for. He's not saying to come and be the person who says, I'll, I'll be the first to suffer. Let me suffer the most. That's, uh, that's not what he's teaching here. He says, but in your sufferings, in our sufferings, we rejoice because we had the opportunity 
to suffer. He says, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. There's a real issue in our, in our world. We're more concerned about comfort than we are about character. And God is trying to build character in our lives. And he does that through these issues in life. Uh, think with me about the, the setting here in Philippians chapter 1. Paul is writing to the church here, and he's writing to them. He's under imprisonment in, in Rome, and he's actually in house arrest. And so what they did at this point, now he's in house arrest. He, he has a chain on his arm, and it goes from, 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 from him to a guard. And they change the guard every, every four hours. There's a new guard because they don't want this guy to escape. There's no way they're going to let him escape. So the church hasn't heard from Paul. He's in Rome, and this is the church at Philippi, at the town of Philippi, which is in the Roman Empire. And, and, uh, and so he, he writes a letter to them. In the midst of his sorrow, in the midst of his pain, he's been in jail after jail after jail. Now he's under a house arrest situation, which is, when you hear house arrest, you know, I always think, well, that's nothing, right? It's not like some little bracelet on his ankle and they could track him where he goes. It is, he is under house arrest. He's got a cuff on his hand and a big old chain that's going to the next guy. He may be allowed some visitors and he has a little bit more opportunity, but he's not going to the grocery store. He's not going off to work. He is there, and he's under house arrest, and he has a different garden. Look what he says here in Philippians chapter 1. He says, Philippians 1 verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Uh, he doesn't say, life is so hard in the jail. This is, so, this is overwhelming. Let me share with you my pain. Dear church, pray for your beloved apostle Paul. He says, no, I am, want you to know that what's happened to me. He's updating them. Hey, you've heard about me being in jail? This is what's happened to me? I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel um, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard, so that the whole imperial guard would know, and that the rest, uh, to all the rest, that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Uh, re remember the picture here. He, he's, he's got this chain on him, and, and, the, and, the, and it's going to the guard. And he says, this is good news. But this wasn't Paul's plan. Paul had a plan that was vastly different. His plan was to spread the gospel. His plan was... Not to stop at Rome, but to make it on out to Spain. If you look on the map, you'll see there's, uh, there's Italy, there's Rome over there. And then further on out was, was Spain. And his, his heart wanted to get out to Spain to take the gospel and to spread the word to the uttermost part of the world. That was Jesus' command. Paul was, uh, Paul was on fire. He was setting and he was moving, moving forward. He was taking, these fo taking the gospel and spreading the gospel. He wasn't just sitting there and enjoying life. He's moving forward. But even in his movement forward, his plan is thwarted. He didn't plan to be in jail. He didn't plan to be under house arrest. He didn't, those, weren't, those weren't on his radar. Somehow we look at these and we, we glorify some of that. And listen, this is tough suffering and definitely... We should be admiring his suffering. But understand that he was frustrated at times by his circumstances. And he looked and, and he saw what he wanted to do. But look at the results of the chains. I want you to think about the results of the chains in Paul's life. Uh, he had a chain on, his, on, on, on his, uh, the cuff here, the chain going to the next guard. And the guards changed every four hours. And I want you to think about this right here because there were two results Number one was evangelism. Number two was encouragement. The first thing he says here, he says uh, in verse 13, so it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. This imperial guard, what it was, was if you go back and you study a little bit about the imperial guard at that day, it's very interesting. There were about 10,000 men that were part of the imperial guard, the praetorian guard if, if, uh, that they called it. And as you look at that, you want to understand that there's 10,000 that grew to be a group of about 16,000. And what happened was they became like the political elite. The, 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 the Roman Empire became like a military drive, right? 
And so this, this group became the political center of Rome, and, and they even helped pick the next emperor. They, they were, they were, this was a big deal. This was not like any guards. This was the secret service of guards. And so they're coming, and what this, here's Paul. He says, you know, I'm wanting to get to Spain. I want to I plant churches. I, I want God's word to go out. And what does God do? God says, okay, Paul, here's what you're going to do. Put on this cuff. You're going to be here. You're going to be here for two years. And then the next step is typically a trial, and then on and on. But for two years, he's stuck in Rome, and, and he's thinking, what, what's going on here? God, what are you doing? And what was God doing was God was giving him an active listener to the gospel. And every four hours, he got a new, new listener. And so the, every four hours, somebody else would come in. And what do you think Paul's telling him? He has a four-hour sermon. Isn't that awesome? You know, could you imagine that? Some people said that I could do that, you know. Uh, they're, they're on me about that, right? But all right, so, so, so here, here you are. You, you, you got this cuff. And, and this guy is sitting there. So the Apostle Paul is telling him the good news of Jesus. And what does Paul say? He says, it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard, throughout this group of 10,000 men that grew to be 16,000, throughout the whole, the whole guard, God placed him there that his imprisonment is for Christ. So he's telling them. And what do we see? We see the word goes forward. The good news is spread. The good news is being made known to all the guards. The good news is moving forward. God put him. See, Paul's plan was one way. God's plan was another way. And so as you're looking at the chains of your life, I want you to think about this. Others are watching you. People outside of the church, they're watching you, and they want to know if whenever those chains of life come on you, if you're real. They want to know if what you believe is real. Is this God that you follow, is he real, or do you fall apart whenever, whenever the rest of us fall apart? Do you, how do you handle things? When things are, when things are challenging, whenever, whenever you have family crisis, whenever you have financial crisis, when you have uh, uh, circumstances, just, just all, you know. Look, if the tornado blew through your neighborhood this week, how are you going to be able handle it is it that's the chain look at the chain and so the apostle paul here says listen ten thousand men came to know god ten thousand men came to hear that i am here for christ why because of my imprisonment if i didn't have this chain i wouldn't be at the center of the political involvement here it was like it was like going down to dc and he's down at the Capitol building, and each one of those senators are listening to him. It's that high, that heavy, that these people that have that much influence are listening to the gospel. And God says, the Roman Empire rules the world. And God puts Paul right there. And now, in the middle of, them, of, of their ruling of the world, what are they hearing? They're hearing the gospel. And you know what happens after Paul leaves? After, a few years after Paul, a guy named Nero comes up, and he is so anti-Christian. He is so anti-Christian that he, he has his wife executed for, be, for professing Christ and his mother-in-law executed for professing Christ. The Apostle Paul had that kind of influence. It was getting right up to the highest level. But he wouldn't have had it without the chains. He would have never had that kind of influence without the chain. And what do we do in our life? We come and we say, oh, this chain is so hard. This chain is overwhelming. I can't take it. I'm, I'm overwhelmed by this. And you know what? That's truth to that. The chain is overwhelming. But we've got to do this. We have to move our chair and look around the Winnebago to what God is doing. Because God is doing something really powerful in your life. Those chains, identify the chain in your life today. I don't know what chain is holding you. I don't know what chain is frustrating you and what chain, what, what, what thing is holding you down. And you say, man, if I could just get rid of this thing. The Apostle Paul would probably love to get rid of the chain, no doubt. But look what God did with the chain in his life. That chain spread the gospel to the highest, highest people of Rome. And God had a bigger plan than what Paul could even imagine. And then the second thing he says here, he says, not only did it help, did it help them, he says, and most of the brothers, and encouraged believers, most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. Uh, they are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Just one person. The Apostle Paul. Just one person has an effect on 10,000 people on the outside, and he has an effect 
on the believers. Now believers everywhere are much more encouraged to go and share their faith. They're much more encouraged. They're stronger. They're more bold. Here's the lesson this morning. The chain in your life, there's people on the outside looking and watching to see if your Jesus is real. And there's people on the inside that are watching and waiting for your encouragement. Because whenever I have a problem and people know that I'm human and they know that I'm struggling, it helps them because they see my victory. They see my joy. My joy didn't come from my circumstance. You see, your joy isn't going to come from that Winnebago. You're going to look at that Winnebago and you're going to see the green stripe. It's ugly. It's nasty. But you're not going to get joy from that. You're going to get joy from what God is doing. You're going to get joy from the confident assurance that God is in control, that He has the plan, and this is how I'm going to make it through life. I can't change the Winnebago. But I can move my chair. And that's what the Apostle Paul did here. And when he moved his chair, 10,000 people saw that he was there for Christ. Believers everywhere saw that he was real. And they're out telling the faith more. Um, the second thing this morning is that we have got to look at the chains in our life, know that God is using them, but you've got to look beyond the people and see the priorities. Look beyond personalities and see priorities. I, I want you to think this morning of, uh, of the Apostle Paul here. Here he is in jail, and look what he says in verse 15. He says, Some indeed preach Christ with envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. Uh, he says, Look, I'm in jail here. And you folks at Philippi, I want you to understand, there are many people that are out preaching the same gospel message that I preach. And some are doing it with great hearts. And others are preaching a good message, but with wrong motives. Look here, he says in verse 16, The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. We have to look beyond the personalities to see the priorities. Catch this. The Apostle Paul said, I'm in jail, and now there's a lot more preachers that are going out. And some of them, I know, are just, it's a competition. I'm in jail, and they want to get a bigger crowd than I had. And they're, they're doing it out of a wrong purpose. They're doing it out of a wrong motive. Their motivation is, is very selfish because they want to stand up and say that they had a bigger crowd than the Apostle Paul. And they're, they're taking advantage of a situation when the Apostle Paul was down. And yet there were others who said, I'm preaching this, this message because he's in jail. And I'm helping the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul says, at the end of the day, they're preaching the gospel. And he looked beyond people's motives, and he saw something good. He said, look, they're doing the right thing. Even though some of them have the wrong motives, that's very challenging for me when, it, when somebody doesn't have the right motive. And I know that's challenging for all of us as well, isn't it? Somebody does something, you say, well, they, what are they motivated by? What do they want? You know? I'll never forget, uh, you know, sometimes uh, some, of these, some of these issues that we go through in life, we really get bent out of shape because somebody had a wrong motive. And the Apostle Paul says here that, um, that you have got to look beyond the personality and you've got to look at the priorities. What was the priority? The priority for the Apostle Paul was God's will. God's plan. So as God's plan was moving forward, the Apostle Paul was applauding God's will. He was applauding God's plan. He wasn't applauding a wrong motive. But he said, I can deal with the fact that they have a wrong motive. I can deal with that because even though they're not right with God, they're not, they're, they're not right, but they're preaching the right message, I can deal with that. And I want to encourage you that we can deal with that too with people in our life. There are people who will allow their hurt rather than their heart to guide them, to control their actions, and then they slam us. Have you ever noticed that? You get around somebody who's been hurt. And when you've been hurt, it's easy to hurt other people. And so what happens is you're, you're going to be out there, you're going to be working, you're going to be doing something, you're trying to move forward. And so somebody else has been hurt, they come alongside of you and they slam you. They shut you down because they're guided by their hurt. And what God wants you to be doing is be guided by Him. Be guided by His mission. And don't look at the people. Don't look at the wrong motives. Don't look at, at what's wrong with these people. And you know, Get up and move your chair and say, okay, I'm going to focus in on what God has done and who He is. 
Uh, think about this. If I were to, let's say we're an artist, which I'm not. But let's just say we're an artist. And I paint this beautiful picture of that Grand Canyon. And I take that beautiful picture and I come up and I, I put it out on display. This is Pastor Ken's first masterpiece, right? And, and, and everybody's like, wow, we never knew you were so talented. And my wife's like, he isn't. He bought it at Claymart, right? You know? So it's like, you know, and, and so you got this beautiful, beautiful picture out there. And everybody's like, wow, that is just so beautiful. And so I get 400 remarks of people saying, wonderful. That was such a beautiful picture. I, I can't, Pastor Ken, we can't believe that you made that. And then there's this one person who comes and says, it's really nice, but the blue in the left side of the sky could be a little bit more bluer. What do we do? We go home and remember the one guy who said something negative, don't we? We remember the one person, and we get tripped up and say, I mustn't be any good. I must be, I've worked six months on that picture. I can't believe it. And we go through this whole thing. In the meantime, they've had 400 people that have been saying, wow, that was incredible. We remember the one negative. So what I want to encourage you to do is to look at the people in your life. Look at the people in your life. And if you were to take the back of your bulletin and just jot down an an initial, okay? Um, Go ahead, do this. Take, Take the back of your bulletin and a pen, and I want you just to jot down an initial of somebody who's negative in your life. No names, just an initial. And please do not put your husband or wife's initial because they can see you right now, okay? So, uh, all right, so you put an initial there. There's the one person. Then I want you to go on the other side of the paper, and I want you to make a list of all the people who have been positive to you, all the people who have encouraged you, and, and start putting their initials. And watch those initials add up. And all of a sudden, you see this long list of over here. Here's all these great things that God has put in your life, all these great people God has put in your life. And then there's this one person over here that says, the sky could be a little bit more blue. You know, you really could have gotten a 4.0 instead of a 3.999999. Isn't that nice? Have you ever been there? You know, you've done your super, super best. Yeah, I know you're capable to be a 4.1 but we'll settle for the 3.9999. Man, if I got a 3.99999, I'm having a holiday, you know? This is a big deal. Take and celebrate what God has done in your life. Look at what reality is. Sometimes reality gets skewed because there is a negative person in your life. They're coming along with their hurts, and they're harming you because they're guided with their hurts. Think about that as, as, you, as you navigate through life. Remember the important things. So don't, number one, what, we, what do we learn from the Apostle Paul here? He's, he's basically telling us, don't forget about the positive people in your life. Don't forget about the people that have encouraged you. And then he says, remember. Okay, the next point up there is to remember, as we look here, to remember what's important. And think about what's important. What is God doing? That's what the Apostle Paul did. He said, I'm in jail. What could be worse than being in jail? I'm, 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 it's, it's horrible conditions. But I've got a new guard that comes every four hours. And I preach the gospel to them. And it's made known all over, all over, all over 10,000 men know about Jesus now. And this is the ruling elite. This is the highest of the highest. God placed me here. And, 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 and there's people outside. Because I'm here, there's more preachers than ever. More people are preaching. And some of them have good motives. Some of them have really bad motives. But guess what? He looked beyond the people and he saw the priority that God is working. And I want to encourage you this morning. Will you look, take those two areas this morning and look at your life. Will you look beyond your circumstances to see what God is doing? Will you look beyond the personalities, those people that rub you, rub you the wrong way, those issues, those people that, that their motives legitimately aren't right. Those people that have legitimately hurt you. Could it be that God put some of those people in your life to change you? Ouch. That's a painful thought, isn't it? That God could put somebody who's difficult in my life to change me? Oh, wait a minute. That's not how I wanted Christianity to work, is it? (laughs) I wanted God to just save me and I got the happy-go-lucky life. You know? I'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. No, you're not going to be healthy. You're not going to be wealthy. And you may be wise only if you follow God. 
It's not going to be from your circumstances. And so God puts difficult circumstances and difficult people in your life to change you. And it's how we react. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to change us. So this morning, I invite you to do this. I invite you to identify that Winnebago and look where your chair is sitting this morning. I think a lot of us are sitting in this chair and a Winnebago's in our way. And I invite you to take your chair on your way out and move it. And go home today. This is the process. It's not as easy as walking 10 feet, is it? It seems like 10 miles. And I invite you to come over here and realize that that Winnebago is still there. But God's plan is still there. And focus on God's plan. Look beyond the circumstances to see God's priorities. Look beyond the problems. Look beyond the people to see God's priorities. Because God is transforming your life. And I'll be honest with you, I don't like difficulties. I don't like it when there's difficult personalities and we clash and this and that. Those things are painful, right? I'd much rather just everybody get along. But yet, some of those times, guess what God's doing? It's changing me. What's God doing with you? You willing to move the chair this morning? In faith, are you willing to step up and say, okay, God, I'll let you transform my heart. Because I want joy. And that joy comes from you, not from the Winnebago. Let's pray. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, will you meet with the Lord? Will you respond to him? Look what the Apostle Paul did this morning. So, such a powerful thing that God did in his life. God used him in his chains. Maybe there are chains that you're dealing with in your life, and you can look at those chains and you say, wow, I wish those chains would be gone, and we all do. But it's more than chains being gone. It's about God transforming your heart. And look what God may be doing in the midst of your chain, in the midst of your imprisonment, in the midst of your trial, in the midst of that Winnebago directly in front of you. God wants you this morning to move your chair because that circumstance you may not be able to change and likely you can't. But God can change your heart. And God can give you the grace for the plan because God's not through with you yet. Just because a Winnebago pulled up doesn't mean that God stopped his plan. God hasn't stopped working in your life one bit because of whatever's gotten in the way. He has a plan, and he has not forgotten you. And he wants you to have the joy of the Lord, which will be your strength. Father God, I come before you, and I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the way that you're moving mightily in our life, and I ask, Lord, that you will you'll help each person as they go home today, and they make a decision, Lord, and, and make their list of the people that have been positive and, and look, to the people, look, look, to, look to the people that are encouraging them and deal with the ones that are not so encouraging and move their chair, Lord. And for some, it will mean change of many things, Lord, but I know that you're going to work in their lives. And I pray that you help us all, Lord, as we move forward, as we, as we respond to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we close our service in, in song to the Lord. The altar is open this morning as well. Let's go ahead and sing. Here we go. Higher than the mountains that I face Stronger than the power of the grave Constant in the trial and the change One thing remains One thing remains Your love never 